One-of-a-kind shades made to order by Vaporshades.com. Vaporshades designs the outer layer of the sunglasses just like a wrap on a car. They customize your sunglasses, marbling the paint. The end result is no two pair of sunglasses are alike. Yours will be completely unique to you. Check us out at Vaporshades.com. Use promo code TUTTLE for 15% off your entire order. Get ready for your daily dose of Tuttle. Uh, the all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp, it's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, Patrick. Nice cock. They want to see me do my dance in these thousand dollar pants. Don't just spend me and my mans. Baby, whole lot chops on your ass. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Make sure you check out my website, Tuttle.net. It's been redone a lot easier and a lot more simple to be able to find things. It was way too busy whenever it first came out. I, I just gave Jason. Jason was the guy that did my website when I was still with the BRN, and now it is way, way easier, way sleeker, way cleaner looking, and it's something I am very, very proud of. So check out Tuttle.net. If you'd like to email me questions or comments, you can easily do that by emailing me Tuttle at gmail.com. So I'm on my way right now to be able to go get dinner. Uh, Most of the time, we pretty much cook at home, but... Once a week, we usually go to one of our favorite restaurants. I mean, not a high-end type of restaurant. It's what you would call a greasy spoon here in the South. But I'm going to Camelot. Camelot is right here in Oak Hill, Florida. For what you're paying, the food is fantastic. You can get a dinner special uh, with two sides and a soup and a salad for like five bucks. And for that that price, you're not you you would spend more cooking a meal for yourself. So we do that once a week. So I'm heading to Camelot. I'm heading to the Oak Hill Sunoco to get some diet soda for myself and my dad. My dad has not been drinking. I don't think he's drinking almost like three or four months. Kind of proud of him. Uh, I mean, he went he went the longest time without drinking, and then all of a sudden he was just like, "Yep, I'm done. Not drinking anymore." Now. I don't know. I mean, he could have been doing it because I'm sober as well now, too. But I think he did it for his own health. So, got a great show lined up. Got some stuff that I've just been randomly recording on my adventures around Volusia County. I got a great interview that's going to be coming up in the second segment. So, I know this first opening segment is a little short. But the other segments are going to be going long. So I'll be back in a few minutes. You are listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. He's a nerd. I've only been arrested one time. A radio personality. Professionally, I'm not in the best position that I've ever been in. And hot talk satirizer. You would think with everything that's going on, a Caucasian like myself wouldn't be able to randomly talk to an African-American or a minority. You're listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Have you considered owning your own restaurant franchise? Good Life Organics currently offers territories across the United States. Check out GLO Franchising. 
That's GLO Franchising on Facebook to sign up for an overview session today. Good Life Organics Franchising, a new partner of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tell them Tuttle sent you. Send them a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash GLO Franchising. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Been doing a lot of these interviews, and, and I'm fascinated with these type of people. This person I'm about to have on is a motivational speaker, and, and I want to be able to find out, I want to be able to talk to him. What are some of the keys? What makes you want to be a motivational speaker, somebody that's going to pump people up and get ready to be able to do things? Because, you know, because I have my mental problems and and I have that little voice in the back of my head. It says, why do you think that people need to hear from you how to live their lives? And that's what I want to talk about with my next guest, Mike Acker. Acker like slacker. Mike, how are you? Uh, It's funny. You being a motivational speaker, when I said, hey, I want to make sure I know how to pronounce your last name. You said, oh, Acker rhymes with slacker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of all the different ones that I could have been, I used to say hacker and I was actually in the whole world of networking. And that was early on in my career. So uh, Mike Hacker, Mike Acker, Mike Slacker, but Mike Acker. So, so let's, before we get into the interview, because I got, I got a lot of questions, uh, tell people about yourself, how people can check out what you're about and any of the stuff, uh, the content that you're putting out, how can they find it? I got four books out there. Really, you know, it's interesting. I really started out as a motivational speaker. I still do that mostly in the business realm, but so much of what I do now is working with professionals as they're moving up the career chain and finding ways that they got stuck and they come work with me to get unstuck and break through. So a lot of the motivation that I do now is smaller groups or even individualized coaching. So, so I mean, I, did, I didn't mean to like label you as a <laughs> motivational speaker, but like here, I'll give an example, okay? One of the, one of the popular motivational guys out there. He's also a business guy. Everybody loves Gary Vaynerchuk. Like everybody loves him. Like what, what is it as a type of person like him and yourself that where do you get to that point where you're like, people need to hear my life hacks? Yeah. Often it's, I can identify and I can show you the way past. So I have something that I can empathize with you. Hey, I've been there. I've been in that spot before. So there's the the classic archetype of of the hero's journey. I mean, if you pick up Harry Potter, I mean, that was written for 12-year-old boys. And so it has this picture of a 12-year-old boy. And then it shows him from where he's at to where he gets to and the heights to which he gets and, and how he becomes a legend. And really, any type of motivational speaker or business speaker or conference speaker is going to be able to say, hey, in these ways, I'm just like you. And here's what I've done to create any speaker that comes to you that you say, absolutely, I love that. There's another area which you could probably teach them in. But Mm -hmm. you come to them for that one area in which they empathize with you. So so I was, you know, doing my research. People 
fearing talking in front of crowds more than they do death itself. Like I, I could be yeah. paraphrasing, but <clears throat> listen, I work in, I've worked in radio for over 20 years of my life. And, and that's the thing about, but I was fortunate enough to work on a very big radio show yeah. where I had to perform in front of large crowds. And what what is the the major thing that are keeping people? What what is that? It, it is the fear of speaking in front of a crowd. But what is that one fear that 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 plagues people the most about bothering them speaking in front of crowds? Yeah, rejection. But see, now are you just born with? that filter where you don't care what people say. Do you understand what I'm saying? Cause some yeah. people care, care about what people think, but I've conditioned, I was one of those people at one time, but now like what people say about me, it, it's like water off of a duck's back. Now, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people who've experienced a lot of rejection when they're younger and have overcome it and gone through it become the type of person who can really speak with confidence on stage in their adult years. Uh, So I have a kid who's five years old, right? And I don't want to see him rejected. And he's playing with some neighborhood kids that are like a year or two years older than him. And and so sometimes I've seen And I don't mean to interrupt, but isn't that a part of life, though? I mean, I mean. It, I mean, it, it really, really is. It, it is. Is it a good thing? No, it, it, it is not a good thing. But I think rejection can almost motivate you to strive for bigger and better things, in my opinion. And, um, and I'm not trying to compare what me and you do to like people that have actually fought in wars like PTSD, but it kind of hardens you a little bit. That rejection kind of leaves a scar and calluses over, but it's there to remind you that you're not going to let you, you're not going to let other people's uh, uh, opinion of you affect how you act in your life. Yeah. So even going back to my son, there's a step that I want to intervene and not let him get rejected. But I actually know that he needs positive rejection. I mean, he needs a safe place to be rejected. Yeah. And when, when he's got supporters around him so that it can callous over, like if he can learn right now to start not taking rejection so personal, then he can have exactly what you're talking about. But so many people, what leads to that fear is they never get to that spot. They've either been shielded or they've let that rejection too deep inside. So, so let me ask you. So there's always like these studies and stuff that when you're a kid, you're like a sponge, you learn, you just soak everything in and it's harder. You know, the old uh, cliche saying of you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but with a kid, when, if, if they get accustomed to that type of stuff at a younger age, do you think that that helps them? when they become older and having to deal with higher stakes? Yes, if they have the perspective. So if they're able to be led to that perspective by a teacher or by a parent, uh, Les Brown is this really well-known motivational speaker. And he talks about how he was rejected and a teacher really helped him have a different perspective on it. And so that teacher gave him a brand new way of processing the rejection that happened to him. 
which is one of the huge foundational elements that led him from going nowhere to becoming the person that he became. So this is another question I had. You've been doing this for a while. I would consider you a professional public speaker. Was there ever a time when you first started this, like you, you walked out on stage and like, holy crap, I can't believe all the people that are here. Um, because I describe it. It's almost like a little bit of an adrenaline rush when yeah. you first start doing that public speaking in front of people. And, and you almost can't even remember the first time you get out there and, and you're doing it. Um, do, do you have any experiences like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every single time, in fact, every single time I get out there in front of people, I'm nervous. The only way to completely obliterate nervousness, in my opinion, is to either become arrogant or apathetic where you just don't care or you just think you're the best. But nervousness is actually good because nervousness keeps you on your toes. It it keeps you on your toes. I think. Right. It's a, it's a form of energy. That's all it is. It's a form of energy. So if you can take that energy and get rid of the excess energy, I talk about that. Actually, I, I wrote some books on this. The first book I talk about getting rid of that extra energy. There's just things that you can do. And then in the moment, channel that energy so that it becomes part of your powerful performance that people say, wow, that person was engaging. I don't know if, if Gary Vaynerchuk would say that he gets nervous but I know he gets energized because you can see oh, it. He, he, he's like almost like, oh, my God, he did a line of cocaine before. He's like, ah, yeah. he's like a way out there. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you, so we're all capable of great things. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's about picking yourself up. Now, it, that's the thing. Listen, I've dealt with depression. A lot of people are like, why are you depressed? You yeah. should just choose to be happy. And it, and. You know, some people wish that it was that easy. How, what are some of the the common mistakes that people make in their everyday life that keep them from achieving their goals and their dreams? They have a victim mindset. So a lot of people, and it can trace back to that same rejection. You know, I've been rejected. And so therefore this is, I'm a victim. I'm a victim of what people have done. Uh, to me, I'm a victim of what has happened to me. I'm a victim of whatever it might be. So uh, I, talk, I tell the story about how uh, my colleague and I, we both speak to burn victims at different times. And he wanted wow, to- that, how, Wait, that, that has to be like, uh, and this is just me because I, I'm trying to put myself in, in your yeah. shoes doing that. I think something like that, talking to somebody that's been through something like that. Yeah that they're going to be disfigured for the rest of their lives. They went through this tragic moment. I find that more terrifying talking to somebody like that than talking in front of a crowd of 20,000 people. Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting. He went into the small camp and he talks about it, that he went in there and he called them burn victims. And they came up to him afterwards. And he said, they said, you know, we refer to ourselves as burn survivors. So it's a, sh- it's a shift in mentality. And he was a little intimidated and he was intimidated partly because here's a group of people that he would have put in the classification of victim. And they said, absolutely not. We're not victims. I think a lot of the people that you just talked about, what keeps them from realizing their potential is the way they perceive themselves. And these burn survivors corrected him and said, we're not victims, we're survivors. 
And what keeps you from reaching your potential so often is by thinking, I mean, I put myself in this trap, I'm a victim. But if you look at anybody who's got out there big and done incredible things, they got story and they could throw the victim card, but they've overcome it and said, actually, I'm a survivor and not just a survivor, I'm one who's gonna thrive. So if something's keeping you back, look at what you're saying about yourself. So, so what you're saying is, is that we can learn things from people that have gone through trauma and adversity throughout their lives. Because, like, you know, I don't want to call me and you like normal people, but we've had pretty good lives. Then you look at people that have faced adversity, that have gone sure. through trauma, coming out of it and picking themselves up by the bootstraps and making something of their lives. Is that something we can learn from those people? Yeah, absolutely. But I would even say that if you look back at our own lives, not knowing everything in your story, but knowing things about my story, there's some moments in life where I could have just thrown in the towel and said, look, I'm a victim. I'm a victim of this. I'm a victim of that. I mean, in ninth grade, I had a senior cuss me out every single day and just say I was worthless every single day. And it did affect me. It did come into me. And I did throw the victim card out there for a little while. I'd go home, listen to my Pearl Jam album on my tape (laughs) and listen to the song Black over and over again. Because when you're depressing, you listen to depressed music and you get more depressed. And, And I put myself in that victim moment for a while. And what I think we can get really inspired is by those people who have a bigger reason to be a victim, yet prove that they're not. We go, man, if they did it and their skill is bigger than mine, then I can do it too. So, so when it, when it comes to having the motivation, do you think that generation generationally, because you bring up Pearl Jam, so I, I would take it you're, you would consider yourself a Gen Xer, right? I'm the last year of the Gen X. I would so 79, I was born in 79. So you might've been, yeah. I think I was born a couple of years before the last years of the Gen Xer. 1980, 1980. Was, 1980, I mean, so you're, you're, depending yeah, on what, what, what poll you say, right? Depending on yeah, what. I, I've seen mixed reviews, but you know, it's, uh, I read a very interesting article about how Gen Xers were more suited to deal with everything that we're going through right now with uh, having to isolate, dealing yeah. with the pandemic. Uh, us as Gen Xers, they called us the latchkey kids. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I mean, lo- I was fortunate enough. I didn't really have to deal with that. But a lot of kids in our generation had to go home, take care of themselves there uh, until probably around dinner time. You maybe got an hour or two with them and then you had to go to bed to get ready for the next day. Um, are Gen Xers like considered loners like we are we are there and we we are independent in my opinion and i think generationally i think you get a different outlook from each generation yeah well i mean this is outside of my area of expertise no 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 and i don't mean to get too deep i'm sorry i got a personal thought on it that that so much of what we do is generational categories is creating some others but often what's happening at the moment is happening to everybody so when you say that hey, millennials are marked by this. But guess what? The boomers and Xers were going through that. And Z is, is marked by this. Well, guess yeah. what? There's a whole bunch of things that millennials are going through. And, and if you read those BuzzFeed articles, there's always like, hey, stop telling us Generation Z or millennials or 
you know, extras slackers. about. We were considered the slackers, though. Generation yeah, yeah. X, we were considered the slackers. Yeah, which is why I went through slacker right there. Well, I'm kind of getting off track here, but, you know, you were talking about listening to Pearl Jam and stuff. I've been going back and listening and making playlists uh, for the 90s and just not just not sticking on alternative rock. But the 90s had so much great music. Even the country music was amazing. But like, why does every generation think that their music is the best? You know, everybody thinks, oh, uh, you know, back in the day, the Beatles were the greatest thing. But like. 90s alternative rock was so groundbreaking behind me i have my some of my records right right here so i got my weezer record right there uh, all right <laughs> so i you brought up weezer i am mad at myself because i did not appreciate them as much as they do as i should have when they first came out but that yeah. blue album was absolutely uh, fantastic yeah amazing well, you know, here, you, when you say about music, I think there's there's those pivotal times in our life, and often so many of them happen in our teenage years, and then we basically record a soundtrack to those pivotal moments. So that's why it's the best ever because my there. If you Mike have Acker's personal experiences attached to them, right? Right, right. If you play certain songs, like "Say It Ain't So," I remember the yeah. breakup that happened in in 1995 or 1996 when when that song was playing on repeat on my tape because I recorded it from one to another. So I just repeated it again. So I, I had literally a tape that just had say it ain't say so on it. I have a soundtrack that I play as I'm getting ready for the day. I have a soundtrack that I play while I mow in the yard and just put it on there. And, and actually that's more motivational speakers, but I have these different things that I play and there, there's different times when I connect myself to a larger picture. I do it through music. Not everybody does that. But I find it very helpful. And it can pump have, you up. It can give uh, you again. confidence. Well, and there's so much about rhythms and routines in life to make you more effective. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking, how can I be more effective in life? Rhythms and routines. So I have a routine that starts my day. I have a routine that that when I walk into my office, what do I say? I have a how routine. About this? Here. That that that's an interesting question. Give me just give me you don't have to go deep detail for detail, yeah. but like what is a regular day like for you? Like when you get up, do you get up and you know take a shower or do you get up yeah. and stretch, do a little working out? Like give me give me an example because you seem like a very busy person. So how do you balance everything? Yeah. So I wake up at five and I go work out and I work out a small gym that's still open during these times. And then I come home and I help my son get ready for school. He's in one of the schools that's still open. Uh, so crazy with all the masks that they wear, right? Help my yeah. wife get him ready. She goes off to work. Then I pick up after them, just the kitchen, that kind of stuff, which actually is a rhythm in my life. Then I go make the bed because when I make the bed, I feel good about like, hey, look at me. I made the bed. So and then I, I take I my shower, get dressed. I was an athlete. Uh, I play college baseball, but, but what I'm yeah. trying to say is I believe in muscle memory. Like yeah. you, you get up, you have your routine and it is almost so natural that you do not even have to think about it. It's like yeah. your body just does it. Yeah. And I've had to create different ones and I get off track when I get off my routine. So when COVID originally hit and all of a sudden everything shut down, 
man, it, it threw me into a tailspin for a little bit because all of a sudden my routine was off. So initially I treated it like a vacation, like, hey, I'm just taking a little break. But then my vacation elongated until eventually I thought, I need to establish a new way of doing things. Otherwise, I'm going to continue down this route, uh, this route of being unmotivated and, and uh, really not doing anything. So I had to create my routine. And there's different times in life where the routine is different. But routines, they, they do work on muscle memory. You don't have to think about it. It's like, why did Steve Jobs wear black turtleneck every day? Because he didn't have to think about it. He was so much of a pimp. That it's, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to ask you, um, when it comes to public speakers, can you give me your top three greatest public speakers of all time? Yeah. Les Brown is up there. So if people don't know who Les Brown is, you got to look him up, check him out. Um, absolutely love him. Uh, in terms of all time, man, I love so I love my colleague, Steve Gutzer. He's about uh, 20 years older than me. We co-wrote a book together. He's not as big of a name, but just the overall way that he approaches things and does things is fantastic. And then John Maxwell is a leadership speaker, motivational business speaker. And, and he's uh, about 75 now. And he's just amazing. I love why was Steve Jobs? Why was Steve Jobs so good? Because like you're talking about those keynote speeches and stuff. Um, yeah. Everybody. You know, it just seems yeah. like nobody gets as excited as they used to yeah. when Steve Jobs, you could count on Steve Jobs was going to was going to yeah. get up on stage. And it's not like he had like a, it, it wasn't like a kiss concert where you had pyro. It's just him getting up there. Why was he so good at these keynote speeches? I mean, ultimately, confidence and communication comes from three areas. So it comes from your identity, what you have to say, your messaging and your skills. So he definitely had some skills and he had a message that people were interested in his product. But the thing that put him over the top, because a lot of people have skills in the messaging, was his identity. I mean, he was so rooted in who he was and he just let that out. And he was so secure and confident, like what Gary Vaynerchuk has, has shown. He's just, it's him. It's, it's him. And he's not, there's nobody else that he's trying to be. It's just raw unabashed Steve Jobs. Okay, so like you expect the best. You have, I mean, for you to kind of, what I'm trying to say is do you do you have to have a little bit of an ego to be successful? And by ego, I mean you expect nothing but the best from the people you work with and the people that work under you. Like, hey, here, I'll give you an example. Um, did you watch the um the last dance it was the it was the documentary about the chicago bulls and michael jordan um i mean he's a great guy grateful philanthropist did a lot of great things for the community but he was an a-hole he was a little bit of a dick but i think that's kind of what made him as good as he was does that does that make sense you have to yeah. be that person I think, to be successful. I think you have to believe in yourself. You you have to believe that you have value to add to other people. Otherwise, you never do it. I mean, it even goes back to the very beginning of what you were talking about. Who are you to do this podcast? You have to believe in yourself, Tuttle. Otherwise, yeah. there's no way that you would get out here. And any person in any position of leadership has to say, I believe in myself if you're going to be effective. I believe that I have that value. Now, hopefully that's measured by realizing 
I believe in myself, but I also believe in my team. But and is an ego a bad thing, though? Like, I mean, is there a fine balance? Because an ego is like you believe in yourself. If you're looking at the definition of it, like you think you're the best or is ego a bad thing? I, I think <laughs> it really depends on what you really mean by ego. And obviously, there's all kinds of books about that. But I believe ego as in this is who I am is a good thing. Ego as in this is who I am and I'm better than everybody else is ultimately going to come back to haunt you. All right. So I want to ask you about one of my favorite public speakers of all time. I mean, if you take politics out of it, you know, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, what do you, why is Bill, why was Bill Clinton? I mean, he's still good. Why is Bill Clinton such a great public speaker? And because in my opinion, when it comes to politicians, everybody says Obama was the best. I still think to this day that Bill Clinton is one of the greatest public speakers he just knows how to make that connection with people yeah i so i talk about seven strategies to to overcome fear speaking when you're up on stage and one of them is it's not about you so often what we do as public speakers we get up there or business leaders we get up there with more of the desire to impress people versus to connect with people so we get up there and we put our best foot forward we do all the things that we should do and we're hoping people like us one of the things I saw in Bill Clinton and, and while I was in college debate, we used to critique different debates and then submit it to Seattle Times. And one of the things I saw in Bill Clinton was that he was able to really make it come across like he's saying, it's about you. It's about you. It's about you. Versus so many speakers, and especially politicians, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. So if you were to take Hillary Clinton and, and Bill Clinton side by side, and look at their campaign slogans. If you think of, I can't remember what Bill's was, but Hillary's was, I'm with her. Now, who's yeah, that about? Yeah. So it's, it's not about the people. It's about Hillary. Right. And, and one of the things that happened with her is I don't think they ever realized who is she and what does she do for you? And how can I be a part of it? The thing that made the, the, um, the Obama slogan and the Trump slogan well done and yes we can we or, or make change change or well, i forget exactly make america what great or something yeah right? yeah yeah well trump is make yeah. america great again but i forget what obama's was i think it's um uh something change and yeah uh, in yes we can and hope yes, we and can, all of those yeah. things and those were like we campaigns and so a great communicator can put it on the side and say here's what this does for you this this helps you when i'm there for you and some of the most incredible people out there in the world that people are gravitated towards, when you're with them, you're not drawn to how incredible they are, but they actually make you feel better about who they are. All right. See, this is, this is how I do interviews, <laughs> because I, <laughs> I think of questions off a of question. And I'm not asking this question to be like a shocking radio host or whatever, but like, yeah, the guy was in one of the most evil people in the world. I mean, he could, he committed atrocities, but was Hitler considered a good public speaker? I don't know if enough about his speeches, but I do know. But he that seemed he made, confident, though. I, and listen, yeah. I don't mean to pitch you in a tough spot, but no, no. Like, I mean, you can no, be no, a, I got a great public. Okay, go ahead. He made the German people feel like they were winners. And that yeah. is what a great public speaker does. So Les Brown 
one of the reasons why he's so effective is you walk away from listening to him going, I can, I can do it. It is. You're ready to run through a brick wall for that guy. Like you're like, you're so pumped up. You're like, I'm going to put on the football helmet. I'm going to run right through this wall. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you listen to John Maxwell and you go, I got the, I got the tips now that I need to, to be the leader that I can be. And he told me I could be a leader. He told me that not, I don't have to be born as a leader. I just have to be born and become a leader. So he, he gives you that boost. He gives you that encouragement. And I think that's what Hitler did in a different way was Germany was in a spot where the, the repercussions of world war one just devastated the entire uh, country. And then he said, we can do it. <laughs> There's hope. Make Germany great again. And he led oh, them. Oh, that yeah, that, that's kind of eerie. <laughs> well, listen. All right. Hey, Mike, I, I could sit here and talk to you forever. And I, I want to definitely have you on again. Um, but tell people how they can check you out if they want to, if they're interested in making changes in their lives, yeah. finding any of your books or being able to catch you. Because I'm sure right now with COVID, you haven't done many public speaking engagements. Yeah, it's definitely different. So most of what I'm doing now is virtual, working with clients, working with communicators. So if you're in a spot where you're a professional and you want to get better in your communication, that's what I'm doing a lot of, especially during times like this. But a great easy way is to pick up one of my books, go to Amazon, Mike Acker, and just have that in there. You'll find me uh, two books that I really focus in in, in here speak with no fear and lead with no fear. Uh, if you're looking for something that's concrete skills, then pick up Carmine Gallo or Chris Anderson. But if you're looking for a motivational pep talk about how to get better strategies, then that's great. Uh, funny thing is that Tuttle, I was reading my reviews recently and someone gave me a three-star review. I got over 300 reviews on my speak with no fear. And they said, mostly anecdotal pep talk. And I thought, yes, yes. Pep talk that will encourage you to, to get where you need to be. Other people have said, this is like the Bible to me. It's been great. So I think that would help you if you are in a spot where you want to get better in your communication, maybe not motivational speaker, but just motivating your team. Well, good. And if people like want to reach out and ask you any questions, can they find you on any social media? Yep. So I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and then Instagram, mostly just for uh, family type stuff. But LinkedIn, I, I live there and Twitter, I live there. And then there's Facebook as well. I'm going to have to give you a follow as soon as I get off of this thing. Hey, Mike, man, I, I really, really enjoyed this interview. I hope you did as well, too. I'm sorry if I got a little deep in some of my questions and stuff, no, but, but I, I find you very fascinating. I think you are, are an awesome guy and I would love to have you on again. Hey, sounds fun. I'd love to do it. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. Man, maybe I would have way more sex partners in my life if I just threw caution to the wind. It's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tuttle's Daily Podcast is brought to you by StitchYouUp.com. For your embroidery, screen printing, vinyl, and direct-to-garment printing needs, visit StitchYouUp.com. Stitch You Up specializes in custom caps, shirts, decals, and anything you want to personalize. Whether it's one item or large orders, they can handle any size. Unsure about what you want? Let Stitch You Up help you with your logo design. Visit stitchyouup.com or contact them, eric at stitchyouup.com. Stitch You Up, definitely not your grandma's embroidery. 
just came outside to do my last workout of the day, and the girl that I've been talking about, the one that is, you know, I don't even know how old she is. And that's the thing about it is there's no right way to ask how old a woman is. But this girl actually brought her food last night. But I, I, man, it's really, really weird because everything I'm doing is very innocent. Like, it really, really is innocent. I'm just trying to be nice. It's nice to have somebody that's in the park around my age because, listen, everybody else is like 30 years older than me here at the Hobo Fish Game. And it's just kind of cool to be able to have somebody around the same age range just to be able to hang out with and talk. I, I brought her some food last night. And I know, like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I, I talked about this on yesterday's podcast that I had that little voice. I got that voice in the back of my head that is like, all right, you're looking like a creep. Even though I'm I'm being innocent, like, for real. I'm just being nice. Came over. Uh, I told the story about going over and getting that Tupperware that my mom kept asking about. And I just felt like, all right, time to get out. And it's weird. Like, I don't even try to segue into me saying bye or getting out. It's just like, okay, bye. And I don't even look like I'm I'm just so like I get the douche chills when I try to go up and talk to the opposite sex because I just I don't, I don't understand. I know I should not be that way. I really shouldn't because I'm just I'm, I'm being nice. Like, I don't try to meet like when. All right. I'm, I'm kind of lying. I'm a guy. A lot of people forget we are nothing but animals. I mean, it's a God honest truth. It is ingrained in our DNA that when you talk to the opposite sex and you're a goddamn liar as a dude that if you're not thinking about the other person and and some type of attraction, and sometimes it's not there, but, you know, guys, you know, some women are a little standoffish and I keep thinking in the back of my head, oh, yeah, they, they think, oh, I'm just trying to hit on them. I'm just trying to hook up with them or something. And listen, I'm I'm in no way a catch at all. I, I I'm really not. Swear to God, like John Mark Carr, Ted Bundy, all those people probably have way more swagger with the ladies than what even what I would. But I guess if you're going to be uh, that type of person, that you kind of have to be good with the ladies. And God damn it, it even sounds creepy the way that I'm describing this right now. God damn it, I hope she does not listen to this podcast. And that's why I'm not even mentioning her by name. I'm just playing it safe. I just want to be her friend. I want to be cool. And that's about it. I don't even know what her deal is because I'm so afraid to stick around for longer than three or four minutes to get to know her. It's like, here, here's your food. And that's also the other thing. I was like, <laughs> I brought that soup over for the first time when I brought food. I was like, hey, uh, I will eat this in front of you because my neurotic neurotic mind is like, oh, she thinks I'm going to try to poison her. Yeah, that that's, that's the crazy type of stuff that runs through my head. And I was like, how crazy of a person do I must sound like that I offered to eat the food that I brought to her First, so she trusts me that like she doesn't think that I'm trying to poison her or something. That's how messed up I am, people. That's how messed up I am.
All right, leaving the Dollar General, because it's the only place you can find Dice right now. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I don't know why. I need to do a little bit more research on why. But I've been reading that they are actually having a shortage of aluminum cans right now here in the United States. And the first thing I automatically thought about was like, oh, my God, this is the time. This is the time of the bums. Those stereotypical, like, homeless bum people. Yeah, I just called them bum people. That are pushing around shopping carts full of aluminum cans. This is a time that they should be cashing in. This is this should be their glory days right now. Because what they're doing is in demand. But, yeah, that's why you cannot. Good luck. If any of you guys can tell me. If you get a uh, line on the cases or the 12-pack cans of Sprite Zero, please email me, Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E at gmail.com. But yeah, no, it's impossible to find some brands of soda when it comes to aluminum cans because there is an aluminum can shortage right now. And they're saying it's all due to COVID, but I've not been able to correlate why COVID would have a problem with aluminum cans right now. It's not, it's not like uh, COVID is infecting aluminum cans all over the place. I just don't, it just does not make sense to me at all. So if you could help me out, let me know where I can find Sprite Zero in aluminum cans. It would be greatly appreciated. For today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor like, share, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. You want some cool ass sunglasses? Check out vaporshades.com. Also brought to you by stitchyouup.com, pocketpairclub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Alamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions presents. Show voiceover service is brought to you by jcvoiceover.com. That guy's got a damn sexy voice. You should hire him. Check out jcvoiceover.com. If you want to help support the show, go to paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? concerns or do you just want to let tuttle know he's being a dickhead tuttle at gmail.com that's tuttle with two d's at gmail.com to follow all of tuttle's social media go to tuttle.net thanks again for all your support and we'll see you tomorrow on the tuttle daily podcast hey yo terry fuck going on